And the left does this time and again. We made children, paradoxically, we made children pay the worst price of all. The lockdowns, you know, as I mentioned, the lockdowns were, for a lot of Americans, frankly, not that big of an inconvenience. If you're somebody who can work remotely, if you're a law partner, uh, if you're part of the laptop class, uh, and again, I count myself among this, frankly, the, the lockdowns were not that big a hurdle. But to working class Americans, to people who work with their hands as well as their minds, um, it was massive. It wasn't just an inconvenience uh, or a small hurdle. No, it was a giant brick wall placed in front of your life. And for American children, uh, it became an absolute albatross. We punished the children. This is Steve Cortez. Steve Cortez. Steve Cortez. Steve Cortez. A lot of folks simply don't realize that the problems in their life, the problems in our society can actually be traced back to globalism. When I was a young man, I was one of six children. My father didn't make a lot of money. I grew up in a middle-class neighborhood where most families supported themselves on a single income. Uh, not in luxury, but comfortably in the United States. That is simply impossible for the vast majority of Americans today. So something changed, and, and we hardly talk about it, right? It changed dramatically. You know, just in my lifetime, as a former Wall Street guy, I believe in evidence and data. The political world is full of sloganeering. Uh, it's full of a lot of folks who make very grandiose statements, but don't back or cite those statements with evidence, with evidence and data. When that orange guy came down the escalator, he won me over, largely with his uh, correct assessment that globalism was harming Americans, particularly China. Uh, he saw it and he indicted it. And he and I spoke many times about trade issues, about globalism more broadly. When, when, when we view what is happening to us, when we view the injustices and the outrages that are happening in society, we need to look behind the surface level. Many of the ills that afflict this country can be traced back directly to globalism. Housing affordability, it has never been worse the globalists don't believe in strong borders. They see cheap labor. This sick and demented idea that children should have their sexuality, their, their sex changed permanently. It's super important for us to see when, when, there's, when there's an injustice, when there's an abuse, when there's a crisis. What is behind the crisis? Who is behind the curtain? Okay, patriots, I'm gonna torture you for a moment, meaning you have to watch a clip from CNN but it's important, let's watch. In our national lead, a troubling but sadly predictable report on the coronavirus pandemic's devastating impact on school children. Math and reading scores for nine-year-olds in the United States not only fell sharply, but had one of the largest declines on record. CNN's Gabe Cohen takes a closer look at just how far this age group is falling behind and how the pandemic erased years worth of progress. The pandemic erased years worth of progress. Now, first of all, I'm going to congratulate CNN, actually, on having the honesty and doing some real journalism at acknowledging that test scores are crashing in historic fashion in the United States. Our children have been gravely injured intellectually. Um, but I'm not going to give them too much credit because, of course, it wasn't the pandemic. It wasn't the virus that did this. It was the panic. It's the panic, not the pandemic. It's the policy response, and I would argue the policy failures 
that caused this. Now, this current predicament, and I want to dive further into this predicament of plunging test scores in the United States, is only going to be exacerbated by another panic, by another policy failure, and that is open borders, or effectively open borders. The left, people like CNN, they don't want to use the phrase open borders, but the reality is the United States border, southern border, has been vaporized by Joe Biden. It has been a porous border, a loose border for many decades, and that's been a bipartisan failure in this country. It has been, unfortunately, the triumph of the globalists and the failure of the nationalists in the United States that we have an open border. Uh, but this open border is going to greatly exacerbate and worsen what is already a pre-existing crisis in the United States of children who have fallen significantly behind regarding their intellectual, mental, educational development in this country. And that's not my opinion. That is, that is reflected and exhibited by these statistics because scores in this country, and you can take any age group from young children all the way through to college students or college applicants regarding the ACT, scores are plunging to historic lows, to multi-decade lows. And not surprisingly, the news is even worse regarding test scores for more vulnerable populations, the impoverished minorities, for example, their test scores predictably, sadly, tragically, are going down even more. And again, immigration is going to greatly, uncontrolled migration, an immigration crisis in this country is going to greatly exacerbate and worsen this educational crisis that our children face. Now, before we uh, get into the, to the immigration part, let's look at the education component here. And let's look at the, at the grave harm that was done to our children. Every American child missed significant amounts of school in 2020. Uh, in the spring of 2020, when the virus broke out uh, and into the fall of 2020. For many American children, they continued to miss school all the way well into 2021. Um, remote learning was a, a marked failure for the vast majority of American children. And, and American parents know this, uh, by and large. And let me tell you, I have four children myself. Uh, my wife and I are, are blessed with four. Uh, they went to private school, and thankfully, we got back to in-person learning as quickly as was possible. Most Americans don't have access to private schools. They can't afford it, or it's not convenient for them. And so, for most Americans, they endured the lockdowns uh, regarding their children's education of you know, supposed remote learning, much of which, by the way, just didn't even happen. I mean, they didn't even pretend to do real school. And, and even for those that did, um, it didn't suffice for the vast majority of American children. And I think one of the reasons, by the way, one of the reasons that our society, that our, our, our ruling class tolerated the lockdowns is that most ruling class people, frankly, did pretty well during the lockdowns. Most of them are, are laptop warriors, are people who could work remotely, people who used the lockdowns as occasions to travel, uh, and people who were intensely involved in their children's education so that their children did learn effectively remotely or attended private schools that got back to in-person learning as quickly as possible. And, and again, uh, guilty. I'm one of those people. You know, Quite frankly, my children in many ways, uh, did well during the lockdowns. But that's because uh, I have a, a wife who is a stay-at-home mother and because we had the flexibility and the economic ability uh, to make the lockdowns work. 
that's simply, you know, for us, for our family, that simply was not the case for the vast majority of Americans. Uh, did not work for them, and particularly for vulnerable Americans, for people who were living paycheck to paycheck, for people who had no options outside of the local public school. You know, uh, in my house in Chicago, I, I lived across the street when I, when I used to live there in Chicago. I was, I was chased out of Chicago by the liberals and the leftists who have, who have ruined a once great American city, but literally across the street from my home, a public school. Now, my children went just a few blocks away to our parochial school, to our, our parish grade school for in-person learning. Uh, the entirety of that school year, the public school across the street from my house was, was remote only, was, was shut down. It was shuttered for the entirety of it. Not just that, but there's a playground, a quite nice playground, uh, right adjacent to the public school. The, the basketball rims were taken down for, quote, health, which is an absurdity, of course, um, and police tape, the, the kind of police tape that you put around a crime scene, police tape was put up around the park so that the park was inaccessible. I actually went to that park several times with my son to throw a ball anyway, and believe it or not, neighbors would call the police, not just on me, not just because of Steve Cortez, they would call the police on people in Chicago who dared to go and throw a ball with their child in the park. So that, that's the kind of lunacy, the kind of situation that was faced, unfortunately, all over America, but particularly in, in a particularly harmful way, in blue jurisdictions, in places like New York and Chicago and California. That's where it was at its worst. What we are now seeing three years later are the ongoing lingering effects, which are going to continue not just for years, but for decades, for the, for the lifetime of many of these children. They are so significantly behind from having missed, in many cases, more than an entire school year. They are so cognitively now uh, challenged, and, and there is such a, a dearth of, of uh, this, this is what drives me nuts. There, there's such a, a dearth, a lack of urgency to address this situation. Uh, it, it's something that hardly gets talked about. Again, I'll give credit to CNN for at least talking about it, for at least recognizing that, yeah, test scores are plunging, right? Multi-decade lows. We're giving up decades of what were increases in test scores, especially for minority communities, but for all Americans, um, and, and I'll give CNN credit for at least recognizing, wow, there's a really big problem here, but they're not going to make the connection to the actual cause of the problem, and they're certainly not going to make the additional connection that I'm going to make to open borders uh, being a, a, a massively deleterious effect and a new risk uh, to these children. But let's before we get to the immigration component, let's talk more about what has been done uh, to our children regarding the lockdowns. You know, realize this about the left. This is the unfortunate reality. And, and by the way, there are very few true liberals left in America. There are, there are leftists now. And the, the Democrat Party, I would submit to you, is no longer a liberal party. This is not your parents' and grandparents' party of trade unions and sort of old-school liberalism. This is a party that is dominated by actual Marxist leftist ideology. And they won't use that term Marxist, just like they don't use the term open borders. But that doesn't mean it's not the reality. It doesn't mean it's not who they really are, and it doesn't mean it's not the, the, uh, the agenda, the worldview that is driving them. These are Marxists. These are leftists uh, in our society. And the leftists, unfortunately, viewed the lockdowns as an opportunity to exert massive control over American society. Uh, it was, in, in some ways, almost a practice run, a, a horrific practice run for what more can be done to Americans. And I, I fear 
that because the practice run from the leftist point of view was very successful, in other words, there was compliance by and large, Americans overwhelmingly acquiesced, surrendered, and complied. That's the reality. I wish it were otherwise, folks. I wish I could tell you that there was uh, you know, mass protest uh, that the American people did not give in, but by and large, let's face it, as a society, we did. And because from the leftist point of view, the lockdowns were successful. Uh, th there was a compliant populace out there. Believe me, the past is prelude. Uh, they, they, they are planning more. And I think there's a lot of evidence right now, by the way, that they are now using climate hysteria as the new virus. And for them, climate hysteria is even better because the virus at least had a bit of an end date. I mean, there's a time at which Americans say, okay, the, the virus is no longer nearly as dangerous or nearly as prevalent as it once was. Uh, so there is a, a bit of an end date. I don't say an actual hard end date because there's certainly still uh, covidiots out there, covidians uh, who, are, who are still fixated on COVID as if it's this you know, systemic danger to American society. But by and large, there's an end date. There's no end date to climate hysteria. And so believe me, past his prelude, the compliance during the lockdowns is going to lead to further tyranny from the left, and that's why it's so important for us to break down, to dissect, uh, to do forensic analysis on what went wrong and how do we prevent it from happening again and how do we make it right, okay? What, what do we do to fix this systemic problem? So going back then, what, what went wrong? Shutting down schools. Think about this, folks. This virus, and we knew this from the earliest, earliest days, um, as, as dangerous as this virus was and is for uh, people who, have, who are compromised health-wise, people who are very old, who are already very infirm. And I'm not in any way diminishing the danger to them. And this virus caused a lot of death, a lot of sickness, a lot of misery for those folks. But we knew from the very earliest days, we knew that it was not a significant danger to children, that it just was statistically not material to children. It presented no more risk than other viruses that we deal with in a reasonable way every single year. Uh, things like the, the regular flu. Uh, it is no different than influenza for children, and we knew that. We knew that not just in hindsight. We don't just know it now. We knew it then. We knew that it was statistically the case where children were overwhelmingly invulnerable to the significant ravages of the virus. And yet... And yet, and the left does this time and again, we made children, paradoxically, we made children pay the worst price of all. The lockdowns, you know, as I mentioned, the lockdowns were, for a lot of Americans, frankly, not that big of an inconvenience. If you're somebody who can work remotely, if you're a law partner, uh, if you're part of the laptop class, and again, I count myself among this, frankly, the, the lockdowns were not that big a hurdle. But to working class Americans, to people who work with their hands as well as their minds, um, it was massive. It wasn't just an inconvenience uh, or a small hurdle. No, it was a giant brick wall placed in front of your life. And for American children, uh, it became an absolute albatross. We punished the children. We punished the children most. We punished the very group of people who thankfully were spared, were physically spared the the ravages the damage of this virus. And by the way, to contrast that, the last time America had a significant uh, airborne virus, the Spanish flu, over 100 years ago, children were especially vulnerable to that virus. That virus really attacked the young, attacked the young in a very particular way. 
hundreds of thousands of Americans and, and worldwide, millions of people died, many of them young. That was the opposite. But even then, I would argue, because we still had a Judeo-Christian Western worldview in the United States, we were still largely reasonable people. We looked at, at a risk-reward analysis, and, and we did not shut down society, and we did not shut down schools during the Spanish flu, despite the fact that that virus did attack children in a particular way. Now, fast forward to 2020 and the current age, thankfully, thank God, literally, this virus overwhelmingly spared children, and yet we punish children the most. Think about that. Think about the sickness of that worldview, the sickness of the left and the Marxists, that they chose to use the virus as a pretext to attack children and to harm them in every way, physically, emotionally, and now we know from the data, from the evidence, intellectually. Test scores are plummeting. That's the reality. Plunging test scores right now in the United States for all age groups, across the two sexes, uh, across any demographic that you want to slice it. Test scores are massively down. And I don't think this surprises anybody who's a parent. I don't think it surprises anybody who has lived through the lockdowns with children or with their grandchildren, if they're really involved in their lives. This is the, the, the bitter harvest of what was sowed back in 2020. Now, let's, let's move this conversation forward into the present day and what immigration may do and is already starting to do to massively worsen this existing crisis. So we have a problem. We have a, a malady, right? We, we have a, uh, again, let's you know, stick with the sickness theme. We, we have a cancer, right? Uh, rather than curing the cancer, rather than figuring out how do we excise the cancer, how do we cure it, how do we heal the body, we're going to make it massively, massively worse. How? Through the influx of thousands upon thousands of illegal migrant children into the United States. Now, since Joe Biden took office, over 6 million illegal migrants have poured into the United States. And we're not just tolerating it, folks. We're incentivizing it. We're welcoming them. We've created an app. I mean, if you told me this five years ago, I would have said, okay, that has to be a parody. It can't be real. We have created an app to try to streamline the entrance of illegal migrants into the United States. Why? Because the Biden administration doesn't like some of the optics of the chaos at the border. They like the chaos. They welcome the chaos. They're welcoming, quite literally, uh, these this tsunami, a human tsunami of trespassers who are breaking and entering into our homeland without permission, unvetted, unchecked, unfiltered. They're welcoming them, but they would like it to be in a slightly more orderly fashion so that they can avoid the poor optics of a teeming and chaotic border. So they created an app to try to help in the process. But even the app is not enough, folks, is not enough to stop this torrent of people invading the United States. As a matter of fact, for the, you know, again, I believe in data and evidence. Let's look at the data. The number of illegal migrants pouring into the United States as part of family units, and I really should say, quote, family units, because many of them are pretending to be families or presenting themselves as families, but they're in fact not. But regardless, that is a category that is tracked very closely by Customs and Border Protection. That number has been rising alarmingly all during 2023. And by, and by the way, as an aside, I talked about how the left seems to always target children first. Uh, in this regard, regarding the open border, children have been turned effectively into tickets to enter the United States. Because if you're crossing with children, 
uh, your process is, is sped up. Um, you are accelerated through the process into the United States. So we have effectively, which is just pure evil, turned children into admission tickets into the United States. And because of that, many of these children are being trafficked and being abused. Many of them are not, in fact, with their parents, uh, but they are being used as, as levers, as, as entry uh, tickets into the United States. But that number of of illegal migrants entering the United States as family units hit 91,000 in August. That is an all-time high, the highest in the history of the United States. And again, it climbed all year long into August. The trend is not our friend. Uh, the trend is alarming. The trend is rising, and not rising in an arithmetic way, but rather in an exponential way, right? In other words, the, the graph is curving upward. It's not going in a straight line up. It's curving upward. And what's particularly alarming about that August number is the reality that August is scorching hot at the U.S.-Mexico border. Very, very hot part of the world. Uh, folks out there who live in Arizona and Texas know that August was, in fact, a record-breaking heat wave in much of the southern United States. Despite that heat, normally August is a month, which is even in times of border chaos, is a time of relative calm because people don't want to, to, uh, to endure those elements, quite understandably. And yet, in spite of that heat, in spite of the what should be and normally is a natural deterrent, we saw numbers absolutely skyrocket to an all-time record high. Now, how does this relate to education and to the, to the dismal state of test scores in the United States and the fact that we know that American children have fallen massively behind Educationally, well, because these are family units, there are thousands and thousands of illegal migrant children pouring into the United States, and they are attending your school. They're attending your children's school. They're attending your grandchildren's school. That is the reality. In fact, they must, per court orders, they must be welcomed into American public schools. Mind you, we don't know who they are. We don't know who their parents are. We don't know really where they come from. We take their word for it on all of the above. What is your name, your age, your country of origin? We, we literally just take their word for it. These are, these are unvetted people entirely. Uh, they must, by law, be welcomed into American schools. Let me be clear on this point, by the way. I am not demonizing these children. This is not their fault. As a matter of fact, they have been victimized. They have been victimized in many cases by people who are trafficking them, in some cases, tragically, by their very own parents and relatives. But they have most of all been victimized by terrible U.S. policy, by U.S. policy, which, again, not just allows and tolerates this porous border, this open border, but incentivizes it and, and in fact, welcomes these people in the United States. And let me also state this. I, I'm not even demonizing the adult illegal migrants. I think they are making a relatively rational cost-benefit analysis and saying, if I'm going to be welcomed into the United States as an illegal migrant or... I can go through the, the extensively long and expensive process of becoming a legal migrant to the United States, the way my own father did, the way millions of Americans have done. If I have these two options, okay, one way, the legal way, takes forever, may not get it at all, super expensive, difficult, okay, that's, that's option A, or option B, I just hop over the border and I'm allowed to stay indefinitely and they're going to ship me wherever I want to go and they're going to send my children to American school. I'm going to take option B. Okay, I think most rational people are going to make so they're making a rational choice. So I, I'm not demonizing the parents, really. I mean, I don't like that they're breaking American law, of course. I wish they would have respect 
for our country. You know, I once asked my father, getting back to my own dad who immigrated here from Colombia, I once uh, asked him because he came here as a student. Student visa ran out, applied for a permanent visa or green card, I guess, in those days. This was way back in the 1950s. I don't know the details exactly to stay in the United States. He had fallen in love with my mother and fallen in love with the United States and wanted to stay here. And he was denied for whatever reason, uh, was denied. Of course, we were much more serious about immigration in those days. It wasn't open borders like it is now. And he had to go back, uh, left the United States. He reapplied, and the day he was allowed back in, he was back. Uh, he was back to marry my mother and back to become an American citizen, which he did. But I once asked him, and he wasn't a particularly political guy, my dad, but I once asked him, you know, Dad, did you ever think of, of staying illegally? Because obviously a lot of people do. And he said, no. He said, I would never want to look over my shoulder, and I would never do that to this country. I would never disrespect uh, this adopted land, you know, that I learned to love. So, so I wish that the adults had that worldview, and I wish that they had that kind of respectability that my own father did. Um, but regardless, looking at the children, clearly it's not up to them. Okay, so I, I am not blaming them for this situation. But the reality is the policy failures, the globalism, the open borders are now further endangering the well-being of American citizen children, of American children who are already, and we know this, even CNN admits it, we already know this from the test scores. American children are in a terrible place developmentally. They are falling behind. And falling behind, by the way, in a, in a digital world, in a, in a new age where it's incredibly difficult, if not impossible, to make a solid living with just your hands, with just the sweat of your brow. It's not the country we live in. It's not the world we live in anymore, right? It is a knowledge-based digital economy. And these children are falling behind in their knowledge. What do we think is going to happen to them in the years to come? The, the prognosis is not good if we don't get serious, if we don't get urgent about fixing this crisis. But instead, what are we doing? We're making it far worse by throwing these thousands and thousands of immigrant children. Let me give you some specific numbers. In New York City alone, in New York City, right now in this new school year, 19,000 illegal migrant children are starting the school year. In one city, now granted it's America's biggest city, but still, just in one city, 19,000 illegal migrant children are starting school in the public schools of the city of New York. The overwhelming majority of them, folks, do not speak English, of course. They don't speak English. And by the way, they're not all Spanish speakers because people are now starting to come from all over the world. And even the folks that are coming from Latin America, some of them are poor indigenous folks who speak other dialects rather than Castilian Spanish. So they're not even all Spanish speakers. And as a result, New York City right now is trying to hire 3,400 English as a second language teachers. Now, they're failing. There's not enough out there. There's simply not a, a big enough supply. They're trying to hire over 3,000 English as a second language teachers to try to deal with this massive influx of non-English speaking illegal migrant children. What do you think that's going to do to the quality of education for English speaking American children? If you're sending your son or daughter, your grandson or granddaughter, to a New York public school and they're going to be sitting in, in a classroom that is full of illegal migrant children who don't speak English, what do you think the quality of that classroom instruction is going to be? Do you, do you believe that it's going to be excellence? Do you think that that English class, by the way, let's, let's start there. <laughs> do you think it's going to be a robust and demanding English curriculum, the kind that is necessary to make kids great readers, great writers, great communicators? Of course not. With these, and I'm not blaming the teachers in this regard, by the way. They're going to do the best they can to just withstand it, to just get by, to just get through. 
to try to teach some basic English to these children. By the way, many of these children are also illiterate in their home language. Think about that aspect. Many of them are, are and again, not their fault, but the reality is they are uneducated in their actual home language. So you need to get to literacy, then you need to get to English proficiency, and only then can you actually start to do some rudimentary education. All the while, resources, time, attention, teachers, totally fixated on this crisis rather than trying to fix the, the, the damage from the previous crisis, created crisis, right? Both of these crises, plural, happened to us because we chose for them to happen, right? We created the panic to the pandemic. We created the open border. This isn't bad luck. This isn't just, you know, luck of the draw or the cycle of things or, you know, nature's way. All right, this isn't a hurricane that came and hit uh, the act of God. No, this is the act of man, the act of devious man, the act of leftist evil man. I would stipulate, that created the panic and the school shutdowns and now created the open border. And the two crises are now melding together to create a new and even worse crisis. That is the, the simple reality of what is going on right now. So I, I encourage you, patriots, when you see uh, in the news, when you, when, when you see evidence and data on something going wrong in society, and then both of these forces are going drastically wrong, right? The educational well-being of our children and the sovereignty of the United States regarding the border. When you see things that are going wrong, I encourage you to always try to look behind the curtain, to try to look next step, you know, a couple derivatives down. Uh, what's pushing this? What's driving this? What's really behind this? Well, in, in the case of the lockdowns, I think there are two drivers that perhaps don't get enough attention um, that were a, a massive part of, of enforcing and inflicting that madness upon American families and upon American children. One is the teachers' unions, and I love teachers. My mother was a teacher for many decades, a wonderful second-grade teacher. I'm sure all of you have a, a teacher in your life uh, that, you, that you love and regard. Teachers are, are amazing. Teachers' unions, however, are anything but amazing. Teachers' unions are malevolent forces of leftist ideology, of nihilism, and do grave harm to children in this country. And the teachers' unions were 100% behind the lockdowns, driving, not just behind, driving the lockdowns in many cases. Randy Weingarten, uh, who is a, a childless head of the teachers' union in the United States, is, in my view, one of the most evil forces in all of American society. And of course, she was right there with the leftist pushing and promoting the lockdowns, supposedly, quote, for health. You know, just, just like the basketball rims were taken down for, quote, health. It's the opposite of for health, right? It's about control. It's about leftist ideology. It's about punishing people. The other force behind the lockdowns, Big Pharma. And I don't think Big Pharma gets enough blame for what they did because they knew that they had the vaccines or the so-called vaccines in process, in progress, and they needed the lockdowns to create the kind of fear and anxiety such that they could set the table for mandates so that those drugs were not going to be optional for millions and millions of Americans. It was a precondition. It was a requirement for things as basic as employment and education. Millions of us suffered terrible consequences were refusing to comply. But the big pharma companies, along with the teachers unions, two of the forces behind the lockdowns. Now, 
who's behind the open borders? Because again, globalism has many tentacles. Who's behind the open borders? There's a lot of non-governmental organizations, NGOs, uh, and I, I hate to say this as a lifelong committed Catholic, but the Catholic Church is one of those NGOs who reaps millions and millions of dollars of government contracts to cater to and, and facilitate the illegal migrants crossing of the border. There are a whole host of secular organizations as well. There's a lot of church ones. There's also a lot of secular organizations, many of them funded by George Soros, um, who are benefiting directly and, and, in fact, instigating this crossing and then benefiting directly from this crossing of the border, but also big business. Remember that big business, the one thing big business loves more than anything else is a plentiful supply of cheap labor, right? It, it increases profit margins for big business. And listen, I love business in this country. I don't love big business very much, uh, but I love business in this country. I come from the world of, of finance, spent many decades trading the stocks of a lot of these firms that I'm now talking about in a very negative way. And uh, business, when it's done well in the United States, is, is a critical part of what makes our success and what makes a, a thriving society. But too often, big business now in the United States, and this is new in American history, big business has aligned itself with state power in a way that is actually fascist. That's a term that gets thrown around a lot, especially by the left. They like to try to call those of us on the right fascist. Uh, actual fascism, the actual definition of fascism is when the government does not seize private property. Okay, It allows private property. It allows private enterprise, but it controls and directs it. That's the reality. And there is a marriage, there is a fusion of big business, of ordained, protected, and promoted companies acting in concert, hand in glove, with the administrative state, with government power. That's very much what we have right now in the United States, particularly as it relates to big tech. Big tech and big pharma, I think, are the two uh, most damaging aspects of that. But there's a, most big business, unfortunately, is working fully in cahoots with the federal government. That's just the reality. And big business wants cheap, plentiful labor. That's a reality. And an open border in that regard suits their selfish prerogatives, the prerogatives of the C-suite executives, not the prerogatives of American workers who have to compete unfairly and unjustly in the labor market against illegal migrants who, because of their status, are always willing to work for less than American citizens would. So think of that, by the way. You know, Picture yourself, and maybe this is you I'm describing right here, but you're a middle-class worker right now. Uh, your real wages have been crashing under Joe Biden. Real wages meaning your income adjusted for inflation, adjusted for the, for the cost of the goods and services you need to live your life. Not the luxuries, but the staples of life, things like food and gasoline and rent, all of them soaring, your pay not keeping pace, meaning your real wages are crashing. So you're dealing with that situation, badly exacerbated by an open border, the real wages crashing in your life. In addition to that, you've got children, can't afford to send them to private school or for whatever reason don't want to do private school, doing the local public school, and guess what? That same open border, which is such an economic threat to your, to your well-being, to your prosperity, that same open border is also bringing across thousands and thousands of children who are now going to be thrown upon, thrust upon your public school, making it almost impossible for that school to, uh, to pursue excellence for your children, making it impossible to try to make up for the lost time. Uh, for the lost learning because of the mistakes of the 2020 lockdown. So, you know, think of that predicament. And again, maybe I'm describing you, but if I'm not, I'm describing accurately millions and millions of Americans who are in that boat, 
who are being punished by globalism. Their real wages are crashing, and now, adding insult to injury, adding lots of salt into that wound, their children, who have already suffered from the lockdowns, who are already behind educationally, intellectually, where they should be, where they would have been if it were not for the tyrannical and unscientific and illegal lockdowns, those children are now going to face this gigantic new hurdle because of open borders. The, these are the realities, folks. These are the, the tangible kitchen table realities of what terrible leftist policies do to this country, of how it destroys the fabric of America. And again, I submit to you, notice this. It's true historically, it's true now. The leftists insist on inflicting the most grave harm upon children. It's twisted and it's sick. It's evil. And it's unfortunately the reality right now in America. Now, let's get to solutions. Let's get to solutions. I think it's super important for us to not live in the outrage. We should be outraged. This is an outrageous situation. It's outrageous what was done in 2020. It's outrageous that we have tolerated an open border for decades in this country, massively worse now, but it's existed for decades in this country. But we can't stay in the outrage. And too many people on the right and too much of right-wing media insists on wallowing in the outrage, on staying there and just living there. And I, I worry a lot, patriots, that there's a, there's a tendency on the right, uh, and I think this is particularly true since the 2020 election, uh, since Joe Biden took office, there's a tendency to almost embrace the victim status, to almost embrace the sort of martyrdom complex of woe is me, we are being abused. And we are being abused, again, the outrage is warranted. The outrage is, is real. It's necessary. Uh, we are being abused. The ruling class in this country is garbage, and it is inflicting grave damage upon the people of this country and right now upon the children of this country. And our outrage is righteous, and it is necessary, but it is not sufficient, meaning we can't stay there. We can't wallow in it. We need to then use that outrage as the fuel to drive solutions, to drive remedies, the reforms that are necessary. So uh, let me give you two, which I think are incredibly important and very actionable right now. Not way off in the future, not we can fix this in 10 years, not we can fix this next election. And by the way, I hope we do fix a lot of this in the next election in 2024, but what we can do right now. Number one is the states need to take control, particularly the state of Texas. By far the biggest border state, Republican governor, Republican legislature, very conservative, ruby red state. Texas is not doing enough to secure its border. And it, as a state, this should be a federal issue, of course. Migration is primarily a federal issue. This should be the responsibility of the federal government. But the federal government is not exercising its duty to protect the United States. And so Texas must and there are enormous ways in which Texas can secure its own border, irrespective of what's going on in Washington, D.C. I don't think there's the will to do it. And Governor Abbott, who I think is over, overall a solid governor, has failed miserably at this task. And it's unfair. It shouldn't be on Texas, right? It shouldn't be. It's unfair, but it's the reality. And guys, sometimes life's not fair, okay? And Texas is an amazing state full of amazing patriots, uh, and an attitude that you can find really nowhere else in the United States. Well, it's time for us to summon 
all of those attributes of Texas, all of the, the assets that make Texas amazing. Uh, attitude, financial assets, law enforcement assets. Texas needs to step up now. But then we need to fix it in 2024 by electing the right people who believe in the sovereignty of the United States. But I mean, we might say, well, wait a second, see, there's, there's other border states. Why, why are you citing Texas only? Well, we're not going to get this kind of help from California, clearly. We're not going to get it from the Democrat governor of Arizona, uh, nor New Mexico, which only has a tiny border uh, with, with Mexico anyway. So it, it's the, the, the duty, the obligation uh, falls to Texas. So that's something actionable today. And especially for those of you that live in the great Lone Star State, uh, please pressure Governor Abbott, please pressure your legislators to, to take action. And again, the bigger picture fixes, I think, can come in 2024 when we elect patriotic populist conservatives who believe in, in nationalism and believe in American sovereignty and will insist on enforcing American sovereignty at the border. But there's, there's a near-term fix there first. And then the second aspect is uh, regarding education. So that's on the border. I want to give you solutions again. What's a solution to the educational side? Uh, it's school vouchers. It's making sure that we fund students rather than systems. I spoke before um, about the evil teachers unions, and they're evil. I mean, they are truly malevolent evil forces. Randy Weingarten has done more damage to American children than probably any person in American history. She is a childless leftist ghoul who inflicts harm upon American children. The best way to defang the teachers' unions is to effectively take their, quote, customers away. Because right now they have beholden customers in most places in the United States. Meaning, there's no choice. You live here, your local school is X, your children attend there, period. End of story for most Americans. But that's, that doesn't have to be the reality, and it's not the reality in some of the more forward-looking states, places like the state of Florida, where Governor Ron DeSantis, uh, who I'm supporting for President of the United States, Governor Ron DeSantis, has instituted one of the most aggressive school choice programs in all of America. And middle-class Floridians can now afford, with the government assistance, because the, I shouldn't say assistance, because it's not like it's a handout. The money's already being allocated. It's a matter of how it's allocated. Uh, but because of the, the proper allocation of the, of the resources of the state going with the student rather than to the system, the parents and families of Florida, even middle class, even you know, modest income folks, are able to attend private schools. And it's really, really working. A uh, report out just a few weeks ago in the Wall Street Journal showed, for example, that uh, of the 10 states in America with the largest Catholic school populations, nine of the 10 have seen their Catholic school enrollment drop over the last decade and drop dramatically. In New Jersey and New York, which are very Catholic states, uh, Catholic school enrollment has dropped 30%. Next door in Pennsylvania dropped 25%. So in the liberal Northeast, Catholic schools, unfortunately, have been falling off a cliff as far as enrollment. The only one of the top 10 states that has seen Catholic school enrollment rise, state of Florida. It has risen in the state of Florida. And I think there's a couple of reasons driving that. Number one is so many families are moving to Florida because of the opportunity uh, there, because of the cultural sanity, because it's become a refuge for people who are fleeing the nonsense of places like New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania. Ron DeSantis, Florida has become uh, a beckoning uh, refuge for them. So part of it is just an influx of families and more children, period. But also, primarily, it's happening uh, because of these school choice initiatives. And by the way, not just Catholic schools. Uh, uh, Jewish kindergarten enrollment, also cited in this same Wall Street Journal article, has risen 45% in, uh, in Florida because of these vouchers. So this is a way that we can defang the public schools. And thankfully, these private schools do not have to take this influx, do not have to accept and try to grapple with this massive influx 
of illegal migrant children, and nor should they. Again, this is not, and again, it's not the kid's fault. It's not the illegal migrant kid's fault. Not demonizing them. It is the fault of Joe Biden, the fault of the Democrat Party, the fault of the corporate media, of big business, all of whom are in cahoots, not just tolerating, but welcoming a porous border. That porous border, that open border, is doing grave damage to the United States in so many ways. It's a national security risk. We don't know who's coming across this border, and a lot more Chinese are starting to come across, by the way. And you can be dang sure that some of those Chinese are coming at the directive of the Chinese Communist Party, and they are undoubtedly CCP spies who are pouring into the United States, unchecked, unfiltered, undeterred. So it's a national security risk. It's an economic risk to the United States. And again, we have a housing affordability crisis in this country that is being massively worsened by millions and millions of uninvited new illegal migrants into the United States. They are competing in the labor market. Most of these folks are coming here to work. They are coming here to, to engage in, in labor, thankfully. I mean, that's a, that's a good motivation for them, right, that they're workers. Uh, but nonetheless, they are competing unjustly and unfairly in the labor market against Americans, depressing wages in an already really challenging economic environment right now. And then so national security risk, economic risk, and an education risk. And that component, that component, folks, I don't think is getting nearly enough attention. It's not getting nearly enough attention. And the kids, the kids are not all right. The kids are not all right. We know it from the test scores. And that, that's only one indicator, by the way. I mean, there's so much wrong with our schools right now. So much wrong with our schools. You know, there's not a day that I go on social media where I don't, and I'm not looking for these, where I don't see a horrific fight video coming out of our, our schools. I mean, this is a, a terrible new trend. Uh, I'd like to do a show in the future on some of those aspects of things that are going on in schools um, and, you know, and outside of just test scores, outside of educational achievement, which is crashing in this country. But we know that the kids are not all right. We know empirically from evidence and data that test scores have plunged to multi-decade lows. And instead of us saying, okay, we have a problem, what's the solution? Instead of there being an urgency of saying national education crisis because of the mistakes that were made, now that's spilled milk. We unfortunately can't go back in time and change that. What can we do now? Instead of that kind of urgency, instead of that kind of approach, what are we doing? We're making it massively worse. And we're going to make it massively harder for the good teachers, and there are millions of them out there, for the good teachers and the good principals and the good administrators out there and the, and the concerned parents, we're going to make it massively harder for them to make up for that lost time and to try to get their children back on track to being people who are prepared eventually to be wonderful parents themselves, to be effective workers in a digital age, in a digital economy in this country, to be prepared to be solid citizens, solid adult citizens of the United States. We are not preparing them for that. And because of that, because of that, we are failing them. We are failing them. And putting on top of an already challenging situation, thousands upon thousands of illegal migrant children who we have incentivized to come into this country, that is the last thing that American children need right now. So I urge you to take action. I urge you to be vigilant, to be concerned, to be educated yourself on the state of education, uh, to be educated about the border, and to take action, to pressure and, and promote change, effective reform and change at the border in the state of Texas, 
at the classroom level regarding educational choice. We can fix this very, very difficult problems, not easy to fix, but we can fix them. And folks, that's what I'm all about are the solutions. Recognize the problem, describe the problem, study the problem, and then come up with actionable solutions. What can we do to fix this mess? We didn't make the mess, we didn't cause the mess. And as a matter of fact, in most cases, right, we were the exact opposite. We were arguing against it at the time of the policy failure, uh, but regardless, regardless, we didn't make the mess, we're going to fix it. And we must fix this mess. The border and educational failure and the two are completely conjoined.